Amen. Uh, all the kids can be released. Any, any children who are here, uh, you can be released to go down for a Christmas party. Or if you want to go have a Christmas party, you can be released to do that. <laughs> We're going we're gonna to worship uh, more in song at the end, um, so I'm going to just speak for just a few minutes here, and we want to respond to the Lord. You know, there's something, uh, so powerful about the simplicity of the gospel story, the beginning of, uh, the gospel story that Jesus that Jesus came that he he came cuz he wanted to come he came cuz he had a had a love that that couldn't be stopped that couldn't be turned away that that couldn't be that couldn't be quenched And that same love is still reaching out to everyone today. So if you're here and you've never responded to Jesus, I encourage you that he is he's calling out to you. He's saying, I love you. He's saying, I want your heart. He's saying, I did this for you. He's, he's communicating his desire for you, that you, you are worth his life and his death and his resurrection, that what he did, he did it for you. So I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to review. I, they obviously told the whole story in a very succinct uh, manner. And so we won't spend a lot of time telling the story, but we're going to look at the, the Magi today. For those regulars, a part of our church, I know there's a lot of guests today. We've been walking through some different... Uh, different accounts of, of the prophecies of Jesus and tying the, the whole story of the Bible all together. Um, and this is, this, is how, this is another way that, that the Bible ties together uh, is actually the account here with uh, the Magi or the wise men as, as they're called in, in many translations. And so it's Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 12. This is similar to what was just uh, live right before us in terms of what was, what was going on. Uh, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. 
And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had listened or heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And the, the alarm went off for them. <laughs> that, was, that was God sending them the alarm, right? <laughs> Herod! <laughs> I don't know what color alert that was, but uh, Herod definitely had his, his own alert. So, you know, it's, it's, it's so interesting. I just want to pull a few thoughts, really, from, from the journey of the, of the Magi this morning. Uh, and, and number one is this, and I heard this from our, our president, Randy Remington. It says that in the days of King Herod, Magi came. Uh, if, you think of, if you don't know who Herod is, then that doesn't mean that much to you. But if you study a little bit about Herod, Herod was a nasty dude. I mean, Herod was just this wicked king. He was super, uh, super insecure. Uh, he was super angry. Uh, he was super... Uh, he had a great temper, apparently. There was all kinds of times where uh, Herod would just have people killed. And so uh, it's actually one of the interesting things is after this account, of course, there's the horrific uh, tale of, of Herod having all the children who are two years old and under in Bethlehem and the surrounding region. He has soldiers go in and stick a sword in these kids. I mean that's how that's how that's how evil this guy was. So it was it was in the in the middle of that time. That's that's the time period that they were living in. You have to understand the the atmosphere of of the place and what what the interaction with the government was. You know, we we get complaining about just a few little things, right? And here we've got the government doing whatever they want, okay? So it can get worse, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not promising it will. I'm just saying it was in a time of darkness. It was in a time where people were questioning like, man, what is going on here? What is this world coming to? It was in those days where it said these guys showed up and Jesus showed up during that time that Jesus was born in the days of Herod. When we're living in days that are like the days of Herod, that we have to know that Jesus is always showing up in the middle of those times. That in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of the, the time where it looks like the devil is winning, that that's when Jesus shows up and he sometimes has a covert operation going on. And Jesus is born right under Herod's nose. I mean, Herod was making sure that, you know, he was, he was trying to make sure that he kept the throne and that, you know, he didn't have anybody else rise up. And, you know, I might be embellishing a little bit here. But, um, you know, he had that, he had that insecurity. And so it, you, we can tell that from this passage that it says that when they say, that when the wise men show up, the magi show up, it says he's disturbed. When they say, where's the one born king of the Jews? And you have to understand, this was an entourage of people. 
I mean, we know that. We know it wasn't just three. There wasn't just three magi. There could have been about a hundred people. So can you imagine a hundred people showing up and they're like, where's the one that's been born king of the Jews? It wasn't like three guys showing up here. It's like, whatever, you guys are crazy. You've been watching the stars too long or whatever. You've been out, out at night too long. But you got a hundred people, you got this big entourage of people that marches into Jerusalem and is announcing everywhere, where's the one born king of the Jews? And it says, Herod is disturbed. And it says, all Jerusalem with him. You know, when, we, when you're following Jesus and you hear about Jesus, there's two things that happen. You can either be disturbed or directed. Herod and many in Jerusalem were disturbed at the, at the news of Jesus. The Magi were directed at the news of Jesus. They were, they were moved to go somewhere. They were moved to seek Him out. They were moved to, to reach out to Him and to say, where, where is He? We're looking for Him. You know, who were the Magi? You know, who were these guys? Right? And their group that came with them? They were, they were from the east. They were most likely from Babylon. They were possibly the descendants of Daniel and his crew that was taken captive in Babylon. And it says they were the ones who were studied and they were, they were influential. And they may have had a message of the Messiah from like the book of Isaiah that has all the prophecies of Jesus. But they didn't know... They didn't know where the Messiah was going to be born, so they didn't have the book of Micah, because it's in the book of Micah, five, chapter 5, where it says, hey, he's going to be born in Jerusalem. But all the scribes and the Pharisees and all the religious people, they didn't have a question about where he was going to be born. Like, where is he going to be born? Bethlehem, it says it right here. Everybody knows that. <laughs> but the Magi were possibly... That's why they were looking for a Jewish king. Why would people from the east in Babylon be looking for a Jewish king if there wasn't a connection to the Jewish nation? Because they saw the star and they saw the signs. If you want to watch an interesting uh, portrayal of what the Bethlehem, or really the Messiah star is, you can watch something called the Bethlehem star. Um, it's or the Star of Bethlehem video by Rick, uh, what's his name? He's by Rick somebody. <laughs> I didn't write it down, I wasn't planning to say this. So uh, he goes through um, astronomy and we can see what the stars look like on every single night in all of history because it's all perfectly mathematically consistent down to the you know, exact millimeter. It's like clockwork. And so... If you want to dive into that, I recommend that. You can ask me about that afterwards. But most likely the Magi were watching stuff in the, in the sky and they were recognizing the signs that, that the king is going to be born. And they show up and they're asking, they're seeking him, and they're, they're being directed. They're being directed by the news of Jesus. And so when they, when they come to Jesus and it says that they bow down and they worship him. You know, the Magi's journey, we don't know exactly how long their journey took. It's possible that the star first appeared uh, when Jesus was conceived. When Gabriel showed up to Mary and said, you're going to have a baby. And ching 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 
So you had a baby. <laughs> we're going to write, we're going to sell that version of the Bible now. Um, it's for sale in the back. Um, <laughs> you get a free magic wand with it. <laughs> it may or may not work. <laughs> and so... We don't know if that's when the Magi left. Did they, did they leave right when the, the child was conceived to go on a long journey? Did they wait nine months? Was there other parts of the sky, which, um, you know, that's what this guy did this video. says they, they may have waited a time period and began to leave after Jesus was born. And, and that's why, you know, when Herod asked, how long has this been going on? And he's like, well, about two years. So we don't know if they were on the journey all that time or if they waited a little bit and went on the journey. But it, it was a long journey. I mean, there's no there's no short journeys back then. But this is a long this is a long journey by camel. First of all, every journey I think would be a long journey by camel. Let's just clear that up right now. Um, but that was a long journey, and it says they show up and immediately they worship Jesus. They're they're drawn to just worship him. They present him with gifts. But may I submit to you that their worship for Jesus begin when they pack their bags. Their worship for Jesus began when they filled the treasure chest. Their worship for Jesus began when they, when they got all the frankincense and poured it in the jar or whatever they had it contained in. When they got the myrrh and filled it up and said, we're bringing gifts fit for a king. And so their worship began before they saw the king. Before they had seen him, before they had had physical proof with their, with their eyes that he was actually born, they were watching the signs that God was giving them, and they were moved in their hearts to make a step of obedience and a step of faith to say, I am going to go find the king. And many times in our lives, on our journeys with Jesus, that's how it works. That we have to pack our bags before we see the birth. We have to load up our treasure and sacrifice personally from our own abundance and say, we're going to set this aside and this belongs to the king. And I'm going to get to a place where I'm going to present it to him, but it's not going to go to anyone else or anything else till I present it to the king. And I'm in this for the long haul. The Magi are a perfect example and illustration and picture of the long haul with Jesus, of the journey with God that's not just a quick deal. You know, in the United States of America, we want to show up and get a nice worship service and get a cool emotional fix sometimes. And if we're a spirit-filled church, we want to feel the Holy Spirit and woo-woo, maybe cry a little bit, right? Uh <laughs> One of my nephews, when he was real little, he's now like 19, but my brother's kids, uh, he would be on this piano right here, and he would just b- pound on it, and then he would say, you can cry now. <laughs> That's how you know you're raised in a, in a spirit-filled church, is when, when the kids pick up, okay, once you play music, people are crying, right? And so, you know, a lot of times in, in our culture, we want to have just that quick fit. We just want to show up and have an experience. An experience, But the Magi didn't show up and have an experience. They obeyed God and they responded to what he was showing them and said, we're going to make plans for a long journey to find the king. And it works the same way in our lives. 
There's decisions that we have to make in our lives right now that we don't know how they're going to affect our future. But if we make the decision based on the fact that I am following Jesus as my king, then I'm going to end up in the right place at the right time. I'm going to show up at Jerusalem at the right time. It's like, where is the one born of the king of the Jews? In Bethlehem. He'd already been born. He's already here. You know, I was thinking about life decisions. And, you know, many years ago, and forgive you regulars who've heard this many times. (laughs) In 2002, I was asked to move to Midland by my dad, who actually happens to be here today visiting for Christmas. So, with his lovely bride, Charlie. And so, we had Christmas yesterday with our family. But in 2002, uh, I got a call from, I'd visited this church with a different pastor, and my dad ended up taking this church as a senior pastor and said, I want you to come join my church and be my worship leader. And I came to Midland, and I drove through the town, and I was like, is that it? (laughs) Because I grew up in the city. I am a city boy. I do know how to shoot a gun, almost. Um... I wouldn't recommend being close by or (laughs) the deer, the birds, they're totally safe. I mean, (laughs) totally safe with me. Um, (laughs) But I grew up in the city, you know, and so I grew up in the L.A. area and then I was in Austin, Texas. And so this looked like the the podunkest little town that I had ever lived in. I'm sorry, Michael, I know this is like a metropolis to you, but it... (laughs) It's all a matter of perspective, right? I was like, oh my gosh, there's only 100,000 people here. How can anybody live in a place this small? I'm like, I'm not coming here. (laughs) I'm not coming here. I had a friend who said, hey, come to Oregon with me. Portland, Oregon. You ever been to Portland, Oregon? Trees everywhere. (laughs) Rains all the time. (laughs) But amazing trees, it's green, you got mountains, you got all kinds of stuff you can get to, and oh man, it smells nice, if you like that smell <laughs> of pine. And I prayed though. <laughs> and God said, Go to Midland. <laughs> I'm glad you're thankful. <laughs> There's, there's at least one. <laughs> you never know how big of a decision that you, that you make will be. But I, I, in obedience to God, I said, I'm moving to Midland. I'm leaving what I think is good or I'm setting aside what I think might be better. And I'm saying, how in the world am I going to ever meet a girl and get married in Midland? I mean, I literally had that thought. I thought I was old. You know, I was like 25 and not married. I thought that was old. Boy, not. But but I made the choice out of obedience. I packed my bag before I saw anything. And I moved here. And you know, it's been one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Because I just obeyed Jesus. You know, years ago, I I wonder, and I don't know how we made a decision. My parents made a decision 
to join a church in Monrovia, California, a little church. Uh, Monrovia is kind of close to Pasadena, if you've ever heard of that. It's east of, of L.A., uh, right off the 10 freeway. And because my parents decided to join this church, I had a youth pastor, a guy who was a radical follower of Jesus, who helped influence my life at a time when I needed somebody else beyond my parents, somebody who was a little bit cooler. (laughs) Seventh grade, man, come on now. (laughs) My son's about to be in seventh grade next year. I know I'm about to be not cool. I'm probably not cool already. Um, But they made that decision, and because they made that decision to be at that church, somebody came into my life who was a radical follower of Jesus, who had smuggled Bibles into East Germany and China when he was 19 years old and risked his life for the gospel. Told those stories to me as a 12 and 13 year old kid. And it awakened something in me to say, I want to live for Jesus like that. You never know what a decision, how it will affect your future. But if you make the decision based upon Jesus, then it's going to be good. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Because, man, I've had a whole lot of challenges in the middle of the blessings, but it is good. It doesn't mean there's not going to be a time where you're going to be having a conversation with a demonic, uh, crazy man who is trying to influence your life. And it says they had to listen to Herod, and he calls them in secretly and does all this crazy stuff with them. And it doesn't mean you're not going to face opposition. It doesn't mean there's not going to be heartache and loss and grief. But he does promise that he will be with you And he does promise that there is a future and a hope that is stored up for us in heaven. And we receive, begin to receive the blessing now in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of the muck, in the middle of the confusion, in the days of Herod, Jesus showed up. And in our days of darkness, in our days of Herod, Jesus will show up and boom, he's there. And all he wants from us is our allegiance, our worship, our desire. We just have to present ourselves to Him. That's what the Christmas story is. It's an, it's an offering of worship to Jesus. Oh, come. Oh, come. Let us adore Him. It's a long journey. It's a long journey. But I'm in it for the whole way. I'm in it my whole life. No one is going to stop me from following Jesus. Nothing that happens in my life, no amount of opposition, no amount of loss, no amount of heartache, no amount of confusion or pain, nothing in this world is going to make me stop following Jesus because He is the joy set before Him. He is my reward. He is the prize. He is enough. If I don't have Jesus, then I don't have anything. But if I do have Jesus, then I have everything. 
And so I lay my life before Him. Just as they laid their lives before the King of Kings, what a moment that must have been when the Magi showed up and they bowed down in front of Jesus, a small child probably at that time between nine months and maybe up to two years old, and they bowed down before this child, these amazing, influential, wealthy men who were from the East, who weren't even necessarily, possibly 100% Jewish, before the Jewish Messiah, who would ultimately become the Messiah for all of humanity. So I don't know where you are today. Maybe you haven't even begun your journey with Jesus. But I encourage you to recognize the signs. If you're here today, it's a sign to you. God wanted you here today. He wanted to get your attention to say, Hello! 2020 is a sign to the people of God to say, Hello! It's not about all this other stuff. Hello? Don't want to preach too far on this section. (laughs) I'll get off on a not Merry Christmas sermon, right? (laughs) Hey, worship teams, you want to come up and get ready? So I want us to respond today. If If you've never given your heart to Jesus, there's no better time than to do it while we're worshiping Jesus. There's no better time to say, Jesus, I'm going to trust you with my life. I believe that you came, you lived a perfect life, and you died on the cross, and you rose again on the third day, and that you did that for me. You did that so that my sins, the, the junk in my life could be forgiven, that I could be transformed to become a child of the King of Kings, to become who I was really meant to be and created to be, that I can be in relationship with, with my Father in heaven, that I can have a perfect home waiting for me, that I can have peace that endures in the midst of of a storm, that I can have love that will never go away, that I will have a security in Him, that I will have healing in my heart and my body. And so if you've never done that, then I encourage you to do that today. And here at the end, um, we'll have some of our leaders and maybe even during worship uh, leaders, just if you feel the need to just come on up uh, and, and be here to, to be available for prayer, then I encourage you to do that. But we're just going to take some time and worship Jesus. If you have been following Jesus for a while, then I, then I encourage you to let this season be a time where you, you just check, have a little journey check. Where am I on the journey? It's like, hey, hey I, haven't seen, I haven't seen what I'm looking for yet. Hey, that's okay. Keep, keep following Him. Keep following him. Don't, don't, don't give up. Don't, don't turn away. Don't, don't go halfway. I mean, I don't know if there's some people, some of the group that said, man, this is too long. We're going back. This gold chest is getting heavy. I'm not carrying it for you anymore, Mr. Magi. <laughs> I don't care who you are. I don't care if Daniel was your great, 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 great grandfather, whatever. <laughs> I don't, I don't know where you are. You might be in that time where you're just like, I don't know if I can, I can keep going. Just keep going. Don't give up with Jesus. Don't, don't let something sidetrack you and distract you. Don't let what Herod or, you know, somebody else, some government official is saying. You know, it's an amazing thought that Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. 
But his parents were in Nazareth. And the government had all kinds of ideas, but it was because the government had all kinds of ideas that Jesus ended up being born in the place he needed to be born at. And so, man, when the nations are doing something crazy, God is up to something amazing. Because he really is ruling the world with truth and grace. <laughs> he rules the world. Thank you, Jesus. So if, if uh, you need to respond to God this morning, just as we worship, we're going we're gonna to have a, quite an extensive worship time. Uh, you know, we're going to worship Jesus today. Because if we don't worship Jesus, if we don't connect with him, then we haven't done anything. We haven't done what is most important. And so I'm going to pray, and let's go ahead and stand, and we're going to begin to worship Him. So God, right now, we just honor You. We thank You for the opportunity to be in Your presence. We thank You, Jesus, for Your birth. We thank You, Jesus, for the example of the Magi, that we can be on a journey that cannot be stopped, that we cannot be turned away, we cannot be deterred, we cannot be detained, we cannot be pushed away, we cannot be discouraged enough to stop. We will be directed by You. We will follow you and we will enter in to the promise that you have have given to us so we thank you jesus and we respond to you this morning with worship thank you lord